Welcome back to Sports Cage right here on 91.3 WVD. And joining us now in the studio, our first guest here on the cage this year, Eric Galco. Eric, thanks for stopping by. My pleasure. What's going on? All right, well, let's, uh, let's first talk about you a little bit. You are the head scout and lead writer, uh, director, m- multiple head titles there at Optimum Scouting. So first, tell us a little bit about you know, what you do exactly and how you got involved. Yeah, um, Optimum Scouting is, is at, at first, a draft website, kind of what I started about seven years ago, um, being primarily you know, focused in the draft and those top 100 players. And in this year's draft, the guys with Andrew Lux and Robert Griffin to the world. But uh, I got into a lot more than that. And the uh, past few years in particular, working with a lot of pro teams, leagues, um, all-star games for college football players, obviously, and, and agents as well at times as well. So it's, it's more than just an NFL draft site, though we do focus on that, especially come January through April. But it's a year-long thing now. We work with a lot of uh, professionals, and it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been busy, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. All right. Well, the draft starts tomorrow, continues through the weekend. And the story out of Delaware is our top prospect, Gino Gradkowski, the offensive lineman. He's a sole hen that really has any shot of being drafted. So tell us, you know, what gives him this chance to, to go pro? I know you have him listed as, as 15 um, on your offensive guard center list and possibly going in the sixth round, right? Yeah, um, I think he's a guy that has a lot of talent. I think he's, you know, transferred from West Virginia, has a lot of natural talent to him. I think he's ideally in the next level going to play in a zone blocking scheme. I think he moves well in the short area, can set up and pass blocking well. Um, not as flexible as I'd like. I think some teams would like to be a top five-round pick. You like to have those guards that can move in space a little bit and get downfield. But I think as, as, as far as being an FCS prospect coming up, I think he has a lot of talent to work with. And teams obviously realize he's going to be a little bit raw and it's going to be a bit of a projection because he's not playing at the league competition. But I think he has enough talent to do so. I think definitely zone-blocking teams in that fifth through seventh-round area are definitely going to consider him. All right. Now, physically, my question is, is he big enough? He's listed at 6'4", 294. I personally think that's about soaking wet. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm not really sure if he's really large or wide enough, especially in the legs and in the lower body, really, to, to be ready at the NFL level to make this jump from being a, a one double A team to being an NFL lineman. Yeah, you mentioned that lower body part, and that's, that's a big part of it as well. He's going to bulk up that in the NFL. But I think the benefits of him coming from a more zone-blocking oriented offense at Delaware and going to likely zone-blocking scheme is that generally those guys are, are around 300 or sub-300. So there's a long way to go in terms of actual bulk and overall weight, but I think in the lower body, it's definitely what he's going to have to improve on because he needs to drive block better down the field and really be a downfield blocker more effectively. So you think he's got to shift more of his weight lower instead of because you're saying numbers-wise he's okay at 295. Absolutely, and you, you see him on film, he's able to punch initially and, and really get that initial punch off there, but doesn't have the leg drive to really keep it downfield, which is definitely important for his own blocking scheme where he has to pivot and then direct guys that way. All right, well, he was um, you know, obviously an incredible lineman here at Delaware. He was a two-time All-Conference player and an All-American his senior season this past season, and many believe he's actually snubbed out of being an All-American twice. His junior campaign, he came up just short, and I don't know, you know how much of him you followed his junior year, but do you think you know, back in those Pat Devlin days he, he was worthy of being a potential All-American? Absolutely. I think he was used a bit differently, and that offense was a bit more wide open for him, so I think he wasn't maybe as highlighted as much as he was his senior year when it was kind of Andrew Pierce's type team and, and really a z- more zone-blocking team um, running the ball. So I think he's definitely one of the more talented guys. You look in the CA over the past few years, not many offensive linemen, maybe outside of Ben Ajelana from Villanova two years ago, um, not really many better clear-cut offensive linemen from the CA. so I think he definitely deserves to be up there. But definitely this year, one of the best guards, if not the best guard and best offensive lineman in the CAA. All right, and now let's uh, let's be realistic here. You know, he is like you said, he's a little low, um, you know, a little low in strength as far as the lower body and things like that. But you have him projected in the sixth round. 
Do you think, first of all, do you think realistically he can go in the sixth round? you think that's or possibly I think it's seven? possible. The thing with, with Gregkowski and a lot of players that are in the late-round area is that teams will have fifth, sixth-round grades on some guys, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to pick him those fifth, sixth rounds because NFL teams are so widely different that players on most teams' boards that are second- or third-round grades generally fall the fourth, fifth round. So I think if for some teams, if the draft goes according to what they're expecting and, and Gino Krakowski's there in the fifth, sixth round and they have a fifth-round grade on him, which I think some teams might and some teams have sixth-round grades on him, he definitely has a shot to get drafted. Is it is it definite? No, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he goes undrafted, but there's definitely an outside shot for it. Okay, now let's look at a timetable because if he does go in this fifth, sixth, even seventh round, like you say, what do you think realistically until he gets his, his first action in the NFL? Do you think he might start on, on possibly a special teams or, or something like that, or do you think he could possibly just come right in and get an offensive line spot. You know, it's tough. With his own blocking scheme, it really depends on how quickly he can pick up the game and how, how desperate the team is at, at guard. And I think it's, it has a chance to not necessarily play early, but at least be a rotational guy. I think he could play left or right guard, which is definitely a benefit. Has experience at center. So when a guy that versatile, if he is drafted, even if he's not drafted, still has a great chance to make a team. And if you make a team in his own blocking scheme, teams generally feel you can step in and play right away or initially. So I think if he can bulk up on his lower body within that first year, he not only give you a chance to get drafted or make a team in undrafted free agency, but play by year two or three. All right, absolutely. Well, now let's jump to some players who are now still on Delaware's roster. They have one more year. They're all heading into their senior season. And these were a couple guys that you <coughs> talked with me about, about you're still interested in. You think they could potentially be in next year's draft class. We'll start with Paul Warlow, the six foot, 230-pound outside linebacker for the Hens. He had a team-high 97 tackles this, this past season, 55 of which were solo. He had a sack and interception, a forced fumble, which he actually recovered. He kind of did it all. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's a guy that's very, very instinctual based and very quick reaction to the ball and explosive to the ball. I think his, his biggest concern is, is maybe his you know, only 5'11 height, not great arm length, is that he's going to struggle to get through traffic and get through contact in the NFL game, especially with downfield blocking. But I think this guy's very quick to react to the ball and, and very instinctual to get to the backfield and, and blow up a play quickly. So I think for a guy who's going to be you know, similar to Delaware State's Brandon Harvey this year, if he can show that he's a physical specimen at inside linebacker, outside linebacker, one of the two, I think a team could look at him as a value as, as right now probably have a preseason 6th, 7th round great at him at best, but that's a chance to move up the board, definitely. Okay, now what do you think specifically this season coming into it? Because it is a long year, and you know a number of things could happen. Obviously, he's not going to get much taller, mm-hmm. but he could get you know stronger and bigger and things like that. Do you think it's more of a physical aspect that, that he needs to improve on, or, or more of a, a reading thing, more of a football knowledge? What does he mm-hmm. really need to do specifically to kind of guarantee himself going in that draft next year? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's tough to say. Um, a lot of it could be a technique thing. It could be just reading, reacting better offensive linemen, getting his hands and body position in better position to, uh, to get through traffic. Or it could be a strength thing, like you said, and, and maybe a combination of both. But it's tough to say right now off a of film. I think next year we'll see if he, can, if he decides to get big or maybe bulk up to a two, 235, 240. That may help him out a lot as well. But, but even staying lean and staying quick off the ball, maybe with better technique can make a benefit as well. All right, well, now let's jump to Rob Jones, 5'10", 185. He's a wide receiver and did pretty much all the punt returning for the Hens this past season. He did have 26 receptions, about 340 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, he had 17 returns. He averaged almost 10 yards a return. But I think many fans weren't happy with really the job he did on the punt return side of things. I think a lot of his decisions were questionable in the eyes of even Coach Keeler. You know, he had at multiple times throughout the season – was possibly looking to make some changes. He let Burley kind of return a couple of punts in certain scenarios. So what do you think, looking at him, what does he have to do a little bit differently? Yeah, I mean, he's an explosive athlete, and he's a very quick-twitch guy. He can get downfield in a hurry. And, and I think all that comes from him is, is as a receiver to develop as a slot receiver and, and develop further down the field and, and use his routes deep to, uh, to gain separation. But as a punt returner, like you said, that just comes with time. And I think a lot of times it's just indecisiveness in the, in the open field and maybe punt returner is the best situation for him in general, but I think he's too good of an athlete to really move away from there long term. I think he's, he's a quick twitch guy, and I think hopefully a better offense this year could be highlighted a bit more. So now you're saying, it, looking ahead to next year's next season's draft, 
he would go as possibly a slot receiver, more of a smaller guy, because he is only 5'10", mm-hmm. so he's not going to be your big play down, mm-hmm. downfield threat. Mm-hmm. But do you think he, he should really focus more on the receiver end or possibly just look to be a special teams guy like, like Devin Hester? Yeah, well, I think I think definitely for, for any guy coming from a smaller school, special teams is a huge aspect of it. And really every guy drafted past the fifth, fourth, fifth round has to have an impact on special teams, and teams got to feel that he can at least contribute in some way, shape, or form on special teams. So definitely important to stay focused on special teams and, and really direct his attention there. But I think as developing as a receiver, he get a chance to be maybe an opposite slot receiver when teams go four wide, not necessarily the primary receiver of a – situation, Wes Welker, who's kind of that short area guy who can make plays after the catch, but be that complimentary slot receiver where he can get down the field and make plays and, and really stretch a defense out. I think if he can improve his downfield route running ability, he has a chance to be a guy who would be considered late definitely as a receiver and a punt returner. All right, let's jump to the leading wide receiver. The hands Najah White, 6'2", 205 pounds. He's hands down the best this team has to offer. He led the team with 50 receptions last season for nearly 675 yards. He had four touchdowns, which also uh, put him as a team leader. And he got nearly 70 yards a game. And, and you know, he is what Delaware needs, and I think you look at the transitioning quarterbacking from Pat Devlin to Tim Donnelly, I think they really lost a lot in the passing game, and he was really the, the one bright side of the, of the whole passing attack from the Hens last year. He still had his size. He's still incredibly athletic. So what's special about him that could put him at that next level? Yeah, I think he, you mentioned he's a good athlete and has ideal size, but I think the, my favorite thing about him is that he, he really – is decisive in his route and is very patient in, in picking apart zones and, and not overstepping his route, not running his route necessarily to the T of breaking quickly and, and, and being on point, but more likely following the defense and what the defense is giving him. He can really pick and choose there very well, and I think that's the best part of his game because you know, he's a guy that has great size, has great ability, but not elite athleticism, not a guy that's going to wow teams away and, and probably work out in the offseason. But I think he has the ability to pick apart zone defenses, and when he has a quarterback that can really handle the pocket and be composed and, and work those second and third reads, I think now how Nigel White is going to have a chance to really, really impress the receiver next year. All right, we're going we're gonna to actually get into that quarterback talk in a little bit. They obviously have a lot of questions mm-hmm. of who will eventually be that starter come opening day in late August. But now I want to go back. Najah White, you know, like you said, he's great in, in zone, and he is great because of his size and athleticism. But there's always that, that special X factor, you could say, in wide receivers that kind of set them above the rest, whether it's route running or football knowledge. So what do you think it is about him that kind of would put him in that next level to, to be able to make the jump? Because, again, these are guys going from a mid-major school to the NFL. There, there's nothing in between. Yeah. So you gotta be so, you got to be something really special to make that jump. So what, what is it about White that, that could allow him to do that? Yeah, I, I, think, I think ideally the quarterback situation would help him out a lot is because I think he's, he's, he's really able to dissect defenses very well. I think that's a big part of his game and why he is a special receiver is that he's very patient in what he's doing and doesn't seem to be jumping the gun or, or, or running poor routes to, to not set up his quarterback. But I think the best thing he can do is definitely be more decisive in his cuts, be more decisive in his cuts downfield especially, and get a big playability. But I think his ability to really read the defense and scan the field and come back to the quarterback, something he had to do a lot last year, and like continue to do next year, be, be conscious of the quarterback, be conscious of the defense. I think you have a chance to at least develop some, some interest in the NFL and then go from there in postseason workouts. All right. Well, we are going to keep you here. We're going to step aside real quick. When we come back, we're going to talk about the upcoming season, spring football. They had their annual spring game last Friday, uh, just, you know, a week ago, and a lot to talk about from there. Defensively, a very strong start for the hands. Offensively, a lot of question marks, and I think you touched on it. Najah White is definitely going to be the, the guy they need to step up. And we'll get to all that and more on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Sports Cage right here on 91.3 WVUD. Welcome back to the Sports Cage right here on 91.3 WVUD in the studio with Eric Galco of Optimum Scouting. We'll keep you here. We'll bring the other guys back in, Kevin Collins, Matt Wolfson, and Nick Kirby. We're, we're going to talk now about the upcoming season for Delaware football. Like, like I said before the break, they had their annual spring football game last Friday night. And, Kevin, I'm going to start with you. Realistically, 
Eric, we'll start with you. You know, where could you possibly see these hens going? I'm not going to say they're going to have a, a Devlin-type season where they go to the FCS championship game again, but do you see them at least getting to the playoffs and possibly making some noise? And they definitely have a chance to. I think, you know, we talked about before that the receivers they have and Rob Jones and, and Nigel White that are already in place. They have, obviously, Andrew Pierce in place right now. Hopefully he can hold up. He has a lot of carries under his belt so far, and he's not an overly built running back, so the option of injury is definitely definitely there as well. But I think the offense, the reason the quarterbacks are going to struggle early on is it's really a timing, rhythm-based offense. You have to get accustomed to that rhythm. That's what, you know, Pat Devlin did so well um, in his senior season because he had that timing and, and rhythm down and really was, had a smooth release to him. Things went very smoothly for him. So I think if a quarterback can kind of figure that out and feel comfortable in the offense, and I think the big part of it, with, I think Delaware needs to do, is, is really once they have a quarterback picked out, have confidence in him and trust him to be their guy because that confidence is a big part of that Delaware offense. So I think if they can have some confidence on offense, have a lot of guys coming back on defense, a lot of talent there at all three levels. I think they have a good chance to make the playoffs, and depending on how the quarterback plays late, make some noise. Now the question that none of us have brought up yet and just popped into my mind, the lines, both offensive and defensive, were pretty much depleted after last year. And, Eric, I could turn it to you for this one. I mean, that's going to be rebuilding within itself. Offensively, you're going to have to really build because we are such a heavy run-based team with Andrew Pierce. So we'll start with the offensive line. What do they really need to do? Because they're losing someone like Geno Gradkowski, who you know, could potentially be going to the NFL. And a lot of you know, big-time guys, which could really just open up that offensive line to a lot of damage. Yeah, and also Shea Out, another, another solid guy who had some NFL interest. Um, people I talked to, scout I talked to, um, but not necessarily an NFL guy himself, but definitely was a big part of the offensive line um, talent-wise as well. So I think if this... You know, the offense, being a zone-blocking team, it's not overly required to have elite guys in space and really make plays in pass-blocking situations. It's really, like I said, a timing-based offense, passing-wise, and really you're protecting the quarterback as more of just a rhythm and a confident thing as an offensive line, as is the whole offense. But definitely it's going to impact um, Andrew Pierce and his connection with the offensive lineman. And, and as a zone-blocking team, it really depends on a lot of running backs trusting the offensive lineman to make those holes so he can make those jump cuts and get through. And I think the offensive line transition is going to be a big part of the, the offense, like you said. All right, well, now I'm going to kind of wrap up our time with Eric Galco here. We're going to finish off with Andrew Pierce, and I think that's really the, the mainstay of this Delaware team, and he's the, the superstar and the, the one guy that you have to talk about. He's the Atlanta Deladon of Delaware football, I guess you could say. And, um, you know, he's going into his third year, and like you just kind of touched on briefly, he has a lot of carries under his belt. There's always questions of how much longer can he take that kind of uh, beating, I guess you could say, you know, week in and week out. And so coming into this year, he still does have two very, you know, full seasons ahead of him, hopefully. What can we look forward to in Andrew Pierce? Because as we saw last year, teams are starting to pick up on what he does. And with the depletion of the offensive line, how much of a toll is this going to take on possibly his numbers and, and how effective he could be? Yeah, the biggest part of Andrew Pierce's game is not a, he's not a deep play guy. Not, not to have great speed in the open field. That's come with his own blocking scheme. Kind of not, not, not shine the line as much because it's, it's really a timing-based thing. And he can find those holes and explode through, which does very, very well. That's why he's been productive. But like you said, a combination of, of those carries already. He's got over 500 carries on his career total so far at college and, and obviously has two years left potentially, barring a hopefully ideal season this year where he has a, a big season where he can at least gen generate some NFL interest. But um, the biggest part of him is that he's not going to be able to get those big play open situations that, he's, that he needs to have to, to make those big plays. And like I said before, the offensive line not having a lot of chemistry together with the running back is definitely going to be a big deterrent because uh, it, it takes a lot for him to make those big plays and take advantage of those seams. And if those seams and those holes in the, off in the, uh, in the opposing defense aren't there, he can't make those big plays and be as productive and be as consistent and keep this offense moving on second and third down. So it's a big part of their game, and it, he has to find that relationship quickly or else he's going to struggle early on. Get, have a chance to get injury and, and not be as productive for this offense. Thank you for coming in. Eric Galco of Optimum Scouting. What's the website again? Let everybody know. OptimumScouting.com and also right. on Twitter, Optimum Scouting. All right, so check him out. Follow all of his information. You have a, a humongous 220-page uh, guide that uh, you sent to me. I'm sure that's going to be released. A little sure. bit of light reading um, yeah. for the draft. Only about 24 hours to do it. But, uh, yeah, it's 227 or so pages, and it's a lot of stuff. But you can also use after the draft to see your Tim Took in the fourth through seventh round that you may not know about. So.
Absolutely. A lot of great information. We appreciate you coming in and stopping by and talking with us. Thanks, Eric.